everyone. Welcome back to Capitalize Your Fridays. I'm Taylor. And I'm Mike. And we're going to get started. So just a quick reminder that while the information we share about these podcasts can be very helpful for people, and maybe you'll listen to this and say, oh, maybe that means I need to change something that I'm doing. I want to just remind you all, this isn't supposed to be specific advice to each of you as individuals. It's definitely helpful. And I hope it's useful for all of you, but if you have specific questions about your planning, your taxes, um, your legal information, definitely reach out to those professionals before making any changes to your specific planning. Um, and if you don't already have a financial professional, if you're sitting here going, oh, this is helpful, but I don't have anyone to make sure I'm not changing up a whole plan, feel free to reach out to us. Feel free to, if you have any kind of questions, reach out to Altius. You can shoot us an email or check out our website. Our website is www.altiusfinancial.com or just shoot an email directly to taylor, T-A-Y-L-O-R at altiusfinancial.com. Okay, I'm, I'm done shooting all the Altius. <laughs> at M-I-C-H-A-E-L at Altius Financial. <laughs> You definitely find uh, it. AltiusFinancial.com. We're 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 uh, getting more of a presence, and you can find us. But do yeah. find it and uh, contact or reach us. Reach us if you have questions. Yeah, or if you have any kind of podcast questions or suggestions, definitely. Um, so yeah, it's December today. The day we're recording this is December first. So it is December. Now what? Um, we're kind of embarking on the last month of the year, and everyone's kind of thinking. Uh, there's probably something I'm supposed to be doing financially. There's probably something I should be considering, but maybe you don't really know exactly what. You're like, there's there's some year-end stuff, but maybe I'll wait till the last couple days of the month before I start stressing that. A part of why we thought this would be useful is maybe get a head start to your December, your year-end planning, and kind of address the, the top few topics that we think are helpful for people going into year-end. So we're going to take a little bit of time to talk about tax strategies, investing, and personal financial planning. So tax strategies, you're probably going, ah, oh, you're, you're not a tax accountant. What, what is all this? And um, it's helpful to note that a lot of the accounts that people typically hold that they see as investment accounts, we like to call them like tax type accounts. They all have different um underlining tax strategies. So when you're saying, oh, I have a 401k, the 401k in that is actually like a tax code. <laughs> and so when, when we're talking about some of these topics, you might go, oh, well, that's, that's a little investing. And I think there's definitely a carryover between taxes and investing. It, it all kind of is combined into one. Well, I don't know about, I mean, combined into one is <laughs> it may be right. I mean, it's the, the fundamental is, you know, uh, I'm trying to look at the long-term and short-term, you know, I'm, I'm trying to look at my security, my life, uh, and, you know, making sure I've got enough money to have fun right now and do what I want and live, live a fruitful, full life today, but also long-term. And so that's why we invest. Um, and the, the challenge is sometimes, you know, the tax code does drive a lot of our decisions and, you know, we just have to make, that's the lay of the land. So we have to make decisions that are primarily investment but then also, okay, what's a tax impact? So a lot of them, a lot of the different kinds of accounts that people set up have 
you know, the fundamental investment in them, but then they have different tax treatment and we want to pay attention to that. And those, you know, tax, the tax year is a calendar year. And here we are, like you said, in December, I see your, uh, your uh, decorations behind you and I'm a little behind myself on getting my holiday decorations up, but, uh, but here we are in December and it's, you know, if you're going to make certain decisions that have an impact on your taxes, a lot of times it's a good idea to have them made uh, before December 31st. So sometimes people have that as a, you know, as a, along with getting their decorations and potentially shopping and family stuff done, they want to be thinking about, okay, is there anything I can do before you're in that will affect my taxes? Yeah. And, and it was helpful for you to point out, yeah, this, the calendar year is the end of the tax year. So um, a lot of people are thinking, oh, okay, well, I've got, I've got a while before things are due because taxes aren't until April, maybe October, if you're pushing them back. And in most cases, a lot of the stuff that you have to have prepared that will impact your taxes, a lot of that is due by the end of this year or the end of each yeah, year. That's, that's one thing to think about too. I remember, I remember when I was in college trying to decide whether I was going to be a finance major. I, you know, I think people have heard me say this before. I, I had a double major in finance and philosophy, which is a whole different thing, but I was trying to decide finance or, or accounting. Um, and the, the finance advisor, uh, he actually kind of persuaded me. He's like, you know, the accountants, they're just uh, historians. We're the ones who make the important decisions with the data they provide. Um, and that's maybe, I don't think that's fair to account to accountants or, or to CPAs because that, you know, that history, I, I think is really important to understand. But if you're, if you're thinking about it in April, there's not much you can do about it. It's just history. You're just filing your taxes and telling the IRS what the history was of the last year. So there is still a chance to make decisions this year. Ideally, you do make decisions before your end. And then you're in January, not thinking about just what happened the previous year, but you're also planning throughout 2021, okay, what kinds of decisions do I want to make? And how are they going to be impacted by taxes for that calendar year? But you know, we have this calendar year deadline. And so that's partly why we have this, uh, this podcast topic of year end planning and just kind of checking some boxes. Yeah, definitely. One of the things with that is some of you may be saying, okay, maybe you have some savings in what is called an IRA account. And maybe you're wanting to, um, maybe you have a lower income. Maybe this year was a little different for you. Maybe there was some changes with your employment. So your income might be a little bit different or maybe you're retired. And so maybe you have a little bit of a lower income. In some cases, people are looking to say, okay, I've got some wiggle room before my taxable income hits a level that's higher than I want to handle. Maybe I want to move some of that pre-tax money into a Roth type account, account that's what would be considered post-tax, but then continues to grow tax deferred until you withdraw those funds. And so one of the things to consider is that your Roth conversions, that's one of those things that needs to be covered before the end of the year. So if you want that to go into your 2020 tax information, that's that's got to be by the end of the year. Similar to the conversion, you've got just the contributions. I had that on my list and <laughs> probably incorrectly so because the, the thing is your IRA con contributions, you can actually contribute up until April 15th, but I definitely think it would be helpful to say, let's make sure we're getting this started and getting this going. So you're not waiting till that very last day to get those in. 
Yeah, and that's one of those things where you want we want to slow down and say, okay, there's all this tax terminology that people have. You know, what's yeah. a conversion? What's a contribution? Well, like like you're talking about, you know, a conversion is you already have an IRA, and you're saying I want to convert it from the traditional basic IRA that I have and convert it into a new uh, Roth IRA or convert it to a Roth IRA um, account that I have. Um, that's as opposed to doing the contribution. So conversions before December 31st, contributions can be done up until April 15th. But like you said, it's a good idea to be, be thinking about that anyway right now. Yeah. And another thing, um, I initially discussed the conversions as an idea for people who maybe they're in a lower tax bracket this year. On the flip side, if you're maybe in a higher tax bracket, it might be beneficial because maybe you don't have a Roth available to you in another form other than doing a conversion. So um, that could be a good option to look at for your overall financial strategy. Yeah, it's a good point. People can only contribute based on certain income limits, but they can convert no matter what. They can always convert and pay taxes right now. Um, and there may be a good argument to do that. So that's a good point. If they want to get more Roth, they want to get Roth money, then they could convert. Yeah. So just a couple of other types of accounts you might want to look at. Maybe you've got an HSA account. So the interesting thing about HSAs is they, they do work on a calendar year. So you're funding it based on the money that goes in between the days of January 1st and December 31st. But some people might be swayed away from contributing to an HSA just because if you're funding it entirely on your own. So if I, and this isn't a plug for HSA bank, they're just one of the biggest ones. But if I sign up for HSA bank today and I said, okay, I want to maximize this account. I'm putting the full amount. Um, I have my tax sheet out because I can't seem to remember. It's a, like a unique number. <laughs> um, but if I'm funding well, it fully, it's not the full minimum. Let's see. It's 35 maximum deductible. Yeah. Yes, sir. So so Part of it is based upon whether it's a family or individual contribution, right? Yeah. So as families, you have over that minimum 5,000 amount that they, that they require you to have before getting any kind of fees. It's not a huge fee. So I definitely wouldn't let the fees sway you away from getting it. But one thing that people can look at is you can fully fund your full contribution amount as an individual starting in December. And then once again, fully funded again in January. And so that means you're only really paying one month of that fee. So you're just trying to lower a little extra perk. Oh, Mike's giving me a look. Well, you want to slow down. Out. Say make a contribution in December and then in January, it's still, it's still based on a calendar. And you actually can do a contribution. You know, the HSA contribution is like the IRA. You can do an HSA up until April 15th um, for the previous year. Um, you can do that. And again, it's, we want to slow down and talk about, okay, what are, what, how much can you contribute to the HSA? And that, that's what I was referring to. You can do, if you're single, you can do 3550 for yourself only. And then if you're, if you're doing it for a family, then you can do 7,100 per year. Yeah. And then again, they have the, the additional catch-up provision. If you're over 55, you can do an additional 30 or additional a thousand dollars for the year on top of that. Yeah. Well, I, I guess let me kind of reiterate. So what I was trying to just say is if you're trying to get out of paying a, a very small fee. So if you contributed every month, starting in January, if you divided, 
it, say you're an individual and you divided this 3550 by 12 and you're contributing each chunk each month, um, you'd pay a tiny, tiny fee on it every month until you hit the 5,000 minimum. And a way to avoid that fee is if you just contribute a big chunk in December and then another big chunk in January. Yep, makes sense. Um, I wouldn't let that, that fee sway you away from contributing, but if you just happen to say, oh, I'm planning to start this soon, now is a great time to do it. I think I'm gonna jump into charitable gifting. Okay. I don't think many people are going to have 72 T distributions. The thing is that's something, you know, if, if they're, if they're under 59 and a half or below a certain age and they want to take money, they want or need to take, be taking money out of their IRA, they should contact us. And that's, you know, the, the again, it's a 72 T that's just, again, an IRS code that allows you to do certain things before a certain age. You're right. It probably doesn't apply to too many people. So we'll, to, you know, it's more important right now to focus on some of the bigger issues like, the next one you were going to talk about was the charitable gifting. Yeah. You said it's, is it Colorado Cares Day or Colorado Gives Day? So it's, it's called Colorado Gives Day. I mean, it's just, you know, it's interesting how, I don't know who started it, but, I, you know, in one sense, I think it's a good idea. In another sense, I have some objections to it. I do make an effort and I think it's December 8th this year. And it's kind of like they designated a year, you know, a day of the year on, on the calendar that where a lot of charitable organizations have kind of gotten together into a one website where you can go and say, okay, I'm going to make my contribution. I'm going to make contributions before the end of the year. So they're deductible um, and do it via this website. It just makes it easier and in a more consolidated way and in a movement way that, you know, it's kind of a movement to say, look, we're, we're a prosperous society and, and you're a generous person. So why don't you give to the charitable causes that you care about on this day? Don't forget about it. Let's just make sure we get it done. And, you know, it, it's, it's kind of cool. I mean, I, like I said, I, I oftentimes will do that on, on that, uh, that day of the year. It's usually in early December where they designate and you go to this website and you could probably look it up and say, you know, Colorado gives, what day is it? And what, what's the website? And then you'll see all these different web or different charitable organizations. You go on there and you can pretty easily make uh, financial contributions that way. And, and just a reminder, I don't know if you guys had already listened to our charitable charity podcast, but you can do a 300 above the line deduction this year because of the CARES Act. So I know a lot of people say, oh, well, I'm not able to itemize. I'm not doing over $12,000 of anything that's deductible this year. So if that is swaying you away from being charitably inclined, but if you are feeling that you are wanting to be charitably inclined with your, with your money, that's definitely an option for everyone this year. Yeah, it's a little bit different with the COVID laws and all that kind of stuff this year to give more people an incentive to be charitable inclined. I, you know, I we did cover this in a lot of detail on, on a prior podcast, but I, I do want to reiterate, you know, my personal belief that it's it's really healthy thing for people to be uh, charitably inclined, and I don't think that's at all in uh, contrast to my view that you should be rationally selfish. You know, you should be really looking out for yourself in a long term way. I think it is. Uh, rationally self-interested to be a giver uh, of, of places that you, you know, causes that you really care about and are passionate about. Um, again, I don't think it's a good idea to be motivated primarily by guilt um, that, you know, people are pounding on you saying you should feel guilty if you're not giving more money. I think that's all wrong. You should feel good about the things you care about. And I do that and I make a habit of doing some of it on Colorado Div Gives Day. Yeah. Part of it also is, 
part of also motivates me to, to reduce my taxable income. And that's originally what you were talking about is, you know, the kind of year end tax planning. And just another kind of follow up on that. If you do get, if you do have investment type accounts and they have appreciated over the last year, multiple years, it can be also an option for you to consider looking into gifting appreciated stock as well. I would definitely say reach out to your financial professional and see if that's a good strategy for you or if that's feasible within your current investments. Yeah, that's definitely uh, good to remind people because, you know, the market's up. Most people who are investors should have should have appreciated assets in their portfolio and it's better to give appreciated assets than just cash. Obviously that depends upon their circumstances, but there's a double whammy of being able to take a deduction and avoid a capital gain if you're giving appreciated assets. Yeah. So Mike, we've already, we've just told everyone, okay, start contributing to your savings accounts, contribute to your HSA, your IRA, maybe look at a Roth conversion. Now they're putting all this money into these accounts is now a good time to invest. Should they be taking those new funds and putting them into the market and putting them into specific securities or what, what are your thoughts there? Well, in one sense, it's always a good time to invest. I mean, it's always a good time to be looking for opportunities. Um, you know, we were talking earlier offline about, you know, okay, what's, what are the best things? And you and I, uh, you know, this is one of the benefits of uh, our listeners reaching out to us because they have, you know, someone like me who's got over 30 years experience in this business. And then they've got someone who's got uh, incredible experience right now, but also uh, a different perspective from a generational standpoint. And, you know, we have these ongoing discussions both in our podcast and offline as well. Um, yeah, it's a, it's a good time to invest. You know, I think it's really important to pay attention to valuations. And as I've said for on these podcasts, as well as uh, with our clients for a while now, you know, the, the, the valuations of the market and, you know, that we got to be careful about saying the market, you know, the, there are these indexes that the news media use and we in the financial business talk about, you know, the Dow, the S&P, the NASDAQ, and there's all kinds of indexes out there, but every single company has its own market for its shares. Um, you know, the cool thing about a, a free market is that you have lots of trading going on all the time with different kinds of investments or assets. So you want to look at particular things, you know, what, what is it I'm looking to invest in? You know, we, you and I might agree or disagree on what might be a good opportunity today or not, but generally it's a good idea to be investing all the time, but be in a pay, paying attention to valuations. So that's my generic kind of answer to your question. Yeah, it's a good idea. Yeah, if you're, if you're funding accounts, um, it, if you're, if you're being aggressive about it, now is a time to be, in my view, a little bit more cautious with regard to how you go about that risk. Um, you know, we use terms like dollar cost averaging, systematic investing to reduce the risk. And I think that's probably pretty appropriate right now with, with a lot of things that people are attracted to. Okay. Well, so say I'm a total newbie investor. I've never invested in anything. I've never bought a single stock. I've never bought a mutual fund. Um, I feel the way that most people start out is they're looking at things that are around them and things that they're maybe familiar with, things that they understand. Um, I think you actually have a personal experience of investing in, because I was going to say, people are probably thinking holiday type stuff. They're probably thinking, well, I went to Target, maybe I'm going skiing. Should I invest in Target? Should I invest in a ski company? 
I mean, I know you have personal experience. You invested in a ski company. <laughs> yeah, that's a long and a war story. It's funny, you know, and I think I've told you this before. People who have a value investing philosophy uh, oftentimes are, you know, they're looking at things uh, in, in a way of risk mitigation or looking at the downside. And sometimes they under promise. And I think I sometimes do that. And we keep, we have a habit. I mean, this is uh, interesting how it's notorious in the investment world. People who are value investors keep a wall of shame. There's a lot of people out there who will put, you know, put their trophies up on their shelves and they'll put all these, you know, uh, pictures with themselves and famous people. And, you know, this is their brag wall. But sometimes uh, value investors have the opposite. You know, what are the mistakes that I've made? And you're referring to one of my big mistakes in my career early on. You know, I was uh, becoming more of an avid skier. And I, I was sitting next to someone on an airplane who was recommending this was the hot tip of the day to invest in American skiing company. And those of you who are, who are skiers, longtime skiers might, might know that that's a company that went belly up. Um, so I have the stock certificate of American Ski Company on my wall to remind me that just hot tips on airplanes are probably not the best way to invest. Um, but, you know, if you're interested and passionate about something, it's, it's definitely a, a way to, to begin to say, is this something that could be have potential? You know, if you and everyone you know uh, shops at Target, like you said, um, maybe it's worth investigating. Maybe Target, Target's got something going right and, and it might be worth investigating. You know, the key is to to buying a company, um, you know, great companies are not always great stock investments because it depends on their their what they're trading for right now, what their current price is. Uh, a lot of times they they already reflect the fact that they're a great company. So the stock price is already built in to say, well, this is a great company, and but it's not necessarily a great investment because you're going to maybe be buying it too high. So the there can be... Uh, two different ways to look at that. And, and I think that's a, a good starting point to say, you know, what are my interests? Am I passionate about this activity or this product? You know, I love what these people produce, you know, um, but that shouldn't be the whole story. You should do, you either you or a professional should do a little bit more due diligence and figure out, okay, is it the right price and time to buy it? Okay. So now on the flip side, what about selling? You, we talked about, okay, People typically at this point in the year, based on how the market's been performing, there's quite a bit of gains in the market. There's quite a few people who might have seen their shares go from something to something more. I know this is kind of a time what, where we do what's called tax loss harvesting. Do you want to maybe dive into what that is conceptually and maybe talk about the pros and cons versus of letting the tax dog what is it? The tax dog wagon. Yeah, so it goes back to our prior conversation about, you know, the number one thing is I'm investing for typically the long term, especially if I'm buying stocks. If I'm buying stocks or I'm buying businesses, remember, we want to always buy into businesses versus just poker chips or stocks. Um, and that's you know, a whole different distinction between, you know, are we playing, are we playing a game or are we investing for the long term? So if we're investing for the long term, that's the primary. Um and then you have to say, okay, what are the tax implications of how I invest? Because it does have impact over time. And one of the techniques that we and most uh, financial advisors who have experience use is to say, okay, can I, can I match up gains and losses in my portfolio so that I uh, pay less in taxes? 
the capital gains rules allow us to, to if I have a, if I realize a gain on one asset, but I realize a similar loss on another asset and I sell both, that means I have no capital gain if they're the same, same dollar amount. Uh, they're rarely the same dollar amount, but we can manage. And this is something I really feel uh, uh, people don't realize when they look at and say, here's my, here's my overall return on my portfolio for the last year or for the last 10 years, that doesn't take into account any kind of tax loss harvesting that people use along the way to, me, to make sure they're making their portfolio more efficient. And that's something we, and as I said, experienced advisors will do over time. But you can go overboard. And that's the, you know, that phrase of, you know, not letting the tax tail rag the dog. The most important thing is the dog, which is your financial security. Not, you know, no one's in a 100% tax bracket. We maybe have a, have a new administration that's talked about raising taxes. You can argue whether that's a good idea or not. You know, we have said before on our podcast that we believe, I believe, and I think you agree with me, the pressure will be over time to raise taxes just because, you know, the American people want a lot of these spending programs. Um, and you either, you know, if you're going to, if you're going to pay back debts, then you have to have revenue to do it. And, and sometimes that means, uh, in the case of governments, raising taxes. So I think the pressure will be to pay tax, to increase tax rates. Um, that's a long way of uh, explaining, you know, conceptually, it's a good idea before you're in to match up gains and losses and see whether you, you want to uh, harvest any of those. Um, now you wouldn't, if, if you feel like you have a gain in a stock or a gain on a, on a mutual fund or an asset and you still like it, you still think it's undervalued, you still think it's got a long ways to go, you don't, you don't wanna necessarily just sell it to take a gain right now. Uh, and that can be true of a loss as well. You may not, you may not want to take the loss, even though it's a deduction. You can deduct it off your taxes up to three thousand dollars of ordinary income and up to an unlimited amount of of other capital gains that you have. Um, just because it's a loss doesn't mean you you want to take the loss. I mean, it has to be in the context of okay, what is the value of this asset? What's my evaluation of this asset right now? Hopefully, that helps. <laughs> Long-winded way of talking about uh, caps. You know, the, the, the short answer is that's something either you or your advisor should be at least paying some attention to is, is it worth uh, taking some gains or losses this year? Yeah. Is there anything else in the investing section where we should maybe discuss key things for year end? Well, the same thing that we just talked about with regard to gains and losses, evaluating your portfolio, not necessarily... Uh, for gains and losses, but in that process, you know, saying, okay, do I still think this is a good, a good allocation? So for example, someone might have uh, significant gains in a particular stock or, or mutual fund or asset. Um, that means that now they're out of balance. They have lo a larger percentage of their overall net worth or portfolio that is weighted toward that asset because it has gains now. And on one hand, you, you might say, okay, it's a winner. We did well, we bought it right. Now we have gains. And so let's just keep that going. You know, some people's, some people's philosophy is, you know, if you have a winner, don't, don't uh, hobble it by cutting back on it. And that's, there is some validity to that. If it's, if it's a, if it's a good long-term hold, then don't just sell it to rebalance. Um, on the other hand, you may be taking more risk than you want to, because now whenever something goes up in price, that means it's more fully valued or even overvalued if it continues to go up. It may be you know, worth more than it, 
it's real value. And that's, that's part of what uh, value investors do is try to say, okay, well, this is what really what the right price is for this stock or whatever it might be, a piece of real estate or whatever it is. Um, so you may end up taking more risk than you think you should, than you really should consciously, but just because things have done pretty well, especially if you're, if you're cutting on the losers, because the losers sometimes have gone down, but those are the ones that are now a better price. Now, again, it depends on whether they're worth it or not. And that's the, the hard work of trying to say, okay, did they go down for the right reasons? Did they go down in value because they're just, you know, not such a great quality investment or because the market doesn't understand them that well? Okay. So, you know, evaluating risk is, a, is the, the real answer. And there's, you know, there's a lot of things that a person can do under the investing. And, you know, remember, investing is only part of the financial planning process. You know, we talk about um, how someone can grow their long-term security and net worth. Investing is a big piece of that, but there's really, it's worthwhile to mention the blocking, blocking and tackling aspect, the basics of how you build a net worth. And you don't build it just by investing. You, you do it by, you know, evaluating your spending and evaluating your income, either increasing your income or reducing your spending. So you have some money to invest. So you have money to save that that's the boring part of financial planning, but your end checklist should include, you know, review your spending, review your budget. What does it look like that you're going to need to be, you know, need to spend on, on necessities and want to spend on, on more luxuries or wants, um, you know, evaluating that always go back to the, the two fundamental statements. What does my net worth look like right now? What has, what do I have in the way of assets versus liabilities? And then, and then look, looking at your spending, because that's what gets you the net worth is, you know, being able to say, okay, I spent less than I, I made and, and I did something with that difference. You know, I saved it or I invested it. Yeah. And it's kind of helpful. You said, maybe look at what, what are the necessities versus the non-necessities. I think heading into the holiday season, I know there's Hanukkah, Kwanzaa, um, Christmas. And so I know there's going to be a lot of people who are going into this like holiday season thinking, okay, well, I've got to buy friends and family gifts. I've got to buy new outfits for maybe my zoom call activity with the family or something. Um, <laughs> it's helpful to, to say that, I mean, maybe this Christmas or this season will look different for people, but I, I think it doesn't mean that people aren't going to spend money. And so it's helpful to say, okay, well, what, what do I actually plan to, to spend on these things? And it was kind of funny this weekend um, nobody shoot me, don't shoot the messenger, but I was at a wedding. <laughs> I promise I'll get a COVID test. I was good. I wore a mask. Um, you're, saying, you're saying no one, you know, people are going to judge you. People who are listening to this might judge you because you, you went somewhere and actually celebrated a friend's, uh, uh, you know, wonderful, uh, join in marriage. Well, I'm just saying, I, I know that like our governor said, don't go see your family for the holidays. And I went to see my family for the holidays. Yeah, you know, or, or the, the, the people are familiar with the, the mayor of Denver did the same thing and he did, he wasn't so consistent. He went ahead and uh, flew off to see his family for the holidays. I mean, there is some hypocrisy that's going on there. We don't want to necessarily go down the road of, you know, what's the right, you know, during this time period of a pandemic, what's the right approach? Um, you yeah. know, I, but I, I interrupted you, you know, I, I don't, I don't judge you. I think it's good. I think you probably took some per precautions along the way. And um, so I'm sorry, go ahead. Okay. So what I, where I was going with that is um, we were at a wedding and we were sitting at our, our table with our group and 
it was interesting because someone brought up, like we were talking about careers and what people do. And someone asked, Oh, like, so you can help people with different budget budgets. And that's, that's a part of your career. And I said, yeah, in addition to their overall plan and their investing and their tax strategies, budgeting is definitely helpful. And it, it's kind of like a good starting place. And they responded with, Oh yeah. Budgeting is a lot of fun. It's really fun to get it all down. The hard part is actually implementing the budget. <laughs> they said it's it's fun to have your Excel sheet all nice and you can break it out. And um, and I like to just make sure it's known to everyone that, I mean, whether it's fun or not for you, it's a great starting place. You're The only way you're going to reach your goal budget is if you actually lay it out. I can tell you it's not easy to be exactly on Maybe you say I was going to spend $100 on something and it ends up being 110 or however much it ends up being. But I think it's it's helpful to say that if you start with a goal in place, a goal in mind, you're more likely to reach it. Yeah, that's absolutely the case. And that's part of the premise behind our whole our whole reason for existing. I mean, pl- the planning function uh, in, in whether it's you're planning your own personal finances or planning anything, um, it's hard because it doesn't go according to plan. In fact, you know, I, I, I was reading, reading just this last week, and I don't know if you know who Mike Tyson is, Taylor. Do you know who yeah. it is? So Mike Tyson, famous fighter, you know, he's 50-some years old. And he's got back in the re- ring as a professional. I guess he had a draw with, uh, I can't remember his opponent's name, but but he's famous for quoting. He's got a famous quote of saying, you know, everyone has a plan until they get in the ring and get hit. <laughs> <laughs> and... And that's true. That's true of every part of life, whether it's your personal financial planning, your budgeting, you know, you can have a perfect spreadsheet, you know, have this great plan going in 2021. And then, you know, something happens, you know, you need some new tires that you weren't planning on or whatever it might be. Um, That's always the case. And people, people sometimes allow that fact to prevent them from planning, but it shouldn't happen that way. And it shouldn't make it, uh, a miserable experience. It actually can be a lot of fun to say, okay, here's, here's my game plan. You know, you know, the Broncos this last weekend, think about that. You know, they, they were told they couldn't have any of their three quarterbacks play. You saw that. I mean, yeah. you've got a guy who never played, you know, never played uh, on the, the starting, uh, you know, starting roster. He's a wide receiver, undrafted wide receiver, and he's the Broncos quarterback. Well, you know, that, that's a tough thing to plan. And, you know, they didn't do well, but, you know, they'll come back next week. And my point is that planning is crucial to do. It doesn't always work, work out well, but it, you, we know from both, you know, personal experience and from all the literature about financial planning and goal planning generally, that is, you know, if you, if you start to do that, you come closer, you come a lot closer to hitting the goals that you want. If you can, if you can maintain the right perspective on the pain, because the pain will be there, you will get hit. You, you know, you will have something that that blows your budget up. You will have something that that uh, that will change the course of your plan throughout the year or throughout your life. But it's a question of okay, now how do you respond to that? And can you get back on target? Can you adjust the plan? Um, that's a crucial thing to having some success. Yeah, and just like you're saying, these plans it doesn't have to just be your budget. It's everything. It's your set a goal for maybe your fitness. I know everyone kind of goes into year end saying, oh, new year, new you. And let's be honest, it's, <laughs> it's rarely an entirely new you. It's um, maybe your it's new year, new list of habits I want to start implementing is kind of probably where, where that should set. 
And so you want to look at it as a whole picture. Okay, what kind of fitness goals do you have for yourself? What kind of budget goals do you have for yourself? Um, maybe look at your asset allocation. Is all of your equity for everything you own, is that all in your house? Do you want to maybe try to start saving outside of that? Do you want to have um, a goal to pay off your college debt, pay off a car? I think it's, it's helpful to say, okay, we're in that time where everyone's just accustomed to setting goals and, and thinking that you're going to start things new and maybe you can add new habits and not necessarily expect yourself to be a totally different person. Yeah, that and the fact that, I mean, it's what's really interesting to me is watching the whole social media thing, which is, it's a powerful, powerful thing to connect with other people. Um, but it's also can, can be warped. Uh, you know, people have this, this sort of, I, I call it otherism. You know, it's like, what are all the others out there? How are they living their life? You know, uh, did they get a new car, go on a new vacation or, or, or wearing really cool clothes? Um, and thinking, you know, that's how they're comparing themselves versus actually doing the hard work of saying, no, what do I really care about? What is it that's really valuable to me? Um, and I think with the year end stuff, it's worthwhile for, for people to take stock of not only their finances, their budget and so forth, but also how much am I spending, you know, comparing myself to others? How, how much am I spending on social media kind of, you know, you know, being cynical about the world. Now, that isn't always the case. There are people on so social media who are inspirational, um, but a lot of times, you know, we're, we're, you know, there's humorous stuff, and and but it's oftentimes cynicism or it's otherism, where you're kind of going, "Wow, look at how great they are," versus saying, "You know, what's what is important to me?" Yeah, that makes sense. There's a bunch of other things that we could talk about. You know, as far as year-end planning, uh, you know, kind of check the box type of things. And I don't know if if you want to dive into some of those. I mean. Yeah, it's a good idea. It's kind of interesting because this year with COVID, uh, all three of the, the major uh, credit reporting agencies have said, you know, you can check your credit for free. So that's a good, you know, that's a good thing to do before you, you know, check your credit score. How, how are you doing there? You know, um, and there are things you can do to, to impact your credit. Um, you know, another thing that's worthwhile, you and I have talked about this, you know, just the password thing, you know, in this new world, especially with all this technology we're using to to function uh, with the shutdowns um, or with COVID, you know, we all have more of an online presence and passcodes, you know, maybe reviewing your passcodes before you're in saying, okay, I'm going to, I'm going to make sure I'm uh, making sure I'm a little more secure or changing those passcodes. Um, there's a lot of things like that, that I think is worthwhile to, to check before you're in while you're doing all the other things that you're doing on your plate. And just a quick reminder, this isn't meant to overwhelm anyone. In case you're sitting there taking notes going, oh gosh, they gave me a list of tax strategies. Now I've got to change my investment strategy. Now I've got to create a budget, change my passwords. We're not trying to overwhelm you. Our, our goal with this is just to say, hey, we know people like to create year-end habits. There are a lot of things that you want to make sure you're focusing on. Maybe we bring up something that you hadn't yet thought of. Maybe you've already done most of this, but, oh, I didn't consider Roth conversion, or I, I didn't consider looking at how the growth of my account may have adjusted how things are allocated. Maybe one holding is 50% of my account now, and I'm not comfortable with that kind of risk. So that's our goal with this is just to kind of help people look at it as a whole picture of, okay, here are some chances to maybe make some steps in the right direction headed into the end of the year. And that reminds me, you and I have talked about and we're, we're planning on, this maybe is a good teaser to say, 
you know, like a 52 week, uh, we've talked about maybe it's weekly, maybe it's every other week, but having a sort of a checklist just for the whole new year. And then we make it kind of fun. You know, here's, here's a check the box item. So it's not all, you know, wait till the end of the year, but looking into 2021, here's, here's a kind of fresh plan to start with uh, that. It's not overwhelming, but it's just a weekly thing. Okay. Have you done this? And, and maybe, maybe share, share that uh, on our social media or share, share that on our, uh, with our, with our fellow clients. Yeah. And just to um, continue on that, we will post that stuff on our, on our social media. So um, I believe it, we'll probably talk about it on the podcast, but I, it'll definitely be on the social media as well. If you want to follow along with us each week and that's just at altiusfinancial.com or at altiusfinancial is our Instagram. And we'll, we'll put together a checklist for year end planning that people can look at. Um, and if anybody wants that checklist and they're not a, you know, not a client right now, they should again, reach out to us and we can just email it to them and make sure they're uh, getting on track. Sounds good. Well, it was nice doing another episode. We're on episode seven. I can't believe we've gotten this far already. It's exciting. But yeah, I, I really thank everyone who's tuning in and listening to this podcast and I hope you guys all have a great weekend. Thank you for listening. It's been great uh, talking to you, Taylor. I appreciate uh, all that you're doing to help uh, get the word out about uh, what we're doing. And um, we're looking forward to having more and more people join us in this quest for uh, more better happiness and more financial success. Thank you.